We are back. I feel like the last maybe few episodes, I've started off by saying we are back. <laughs> and the folks are probably like, can y'all just stay for a little while? Can y'all hang out with us? Can y'all talk to us? Can y'all deliver us some information? Because the world is going crazy when it comes to the financial aspect of living. The economy's going crazy, the stock market, politics. I just want some answers. I have some questions. Like, man. And we hear y'all. We do. We do. But look. Yo, we we out here juggling 12 crystal balls while (laughs) drinking fire hydrant. And, uh, you know, uh, 2022 has been very volatile. So we got a whole bunch of stuff going on, but we still are dedicated and committed to trying to get good quality podcasts out there um, for the culture and the people that follow us. But, yeah, we've been making a whole bunch of moves from – getting married to relocating to Vegas uh, to, you know, uh, ramping up and scaling your business up. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but we still get dedicated to the people, the people's podcast. There it I is there. We still here, folks. We right here with you. Man, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say all of that. So, yes, y'all, it has been a life to live this year. Um, but we are so very grateful that you guys are still rocking with us, still tuned in. And still anticipating new episodes. So on our behalf, I would like to apologize for leaving y'all without saying setting the expectation of, hey, we'll be back on this date. So I'll try to do a better job of doing that moving forward. But those of you who are here, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. And those of you who are new, just finding out who this these guys are on this podcast that keeps dropping that every time some since have been dropped. <laughs> I'll introduce myself. My name is Andre. I'm a young entrepreneur and uh, mentee of the brother, the man, the myth, the legend, Cheyenne Simmons, everybody. Yes, sir. What's going on? It's your boy, DJ Givenins, the original financial educator. We're so glad to have y'all here. So y'all come on in today and uh, have a seat and get comfortable and uh, let us catch y'all up on what's going on over here that I got this podcast. And... Everything that's been happening throughout this year, yeah, 2022 has been a definite uh, roller coaster ride. It has, man. It's been a beautiful ride on a personal level and on a global level. It's been something, man. It definitely has. Um, well, shoot. Mm-hmm. Let's add, let, let, first off, I want to say if y'all tuned in and y'all wondering why my voice sounds like I'm talking through a microphone like it's KJLH, it's because I am. And then if y'all wondering why Shine sounds like he on the phone, it's because he is. And for those who aren't mm-hmm. caught up, my brother Shine has moved. <sighs> yeah, he moved, man. But it's all for the greater good, all for the good things. He moved to Las Vegas, and uh, he yeah. is actually joining us via cellular device. I don't know if I should clap it yeah. up, but clap it up. I kicked off 2022 by moving to Vegas, Andre. We uh, bought this for a great deal out here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here in 2022. Um, we already had several investment properties out here. We spent ten, at least 10 days every month in Vegas since 2014. So it made a whole lot of sense for us to jump on another good real estate purchase. And uh, when we did, uh, me and Sky Girl, a.k.a. Sheila uh, Lashina McCurdy, we uh, came to the conclusion that it would probably be in our best interest to go ahead and make that move to Nevada. 
uh, a state that does not have state taxes, and we've been winning ever since. There it is there, folks. My brother's making moves, big moves, man. I'm proud of Shy, and I'm grateful, grateful for his men- mentorship and guidance. Um, yeah, so, yo, Shy, where do we start? November 2022, the economy. Where do we even begin? Yeah. There's so much going on, so much that has happened since September all the way up until today. And that's only, what, 30, uh, 90 days, 20, uh, 60 days, <laughs> give or take? Yeah, we don't have- we only got about 60 days left, but yeah, 2022, uh, it started out just like uh, any other year, but uh, we ran into a buzzsaw right around March, and the uh, stock market took a dive, and uh, it took a dive because of a whole bunch of different variables. So you have, uh, we were still coming out of uh, COVID lockdown. Um, you have folks now saying they're not going to come back and work for peanuts. Um, like a slave because CEOs and executives of all these corporations now, they're earning 20, uh, 278 times the average worker and people saying they can do bad all by themselves. They don't have to go in and be mistreated uh, by, uh, uh, by a company that's making billions and billions of dollars, but they're not sharing the wealth with the, uh, with the employees that are making it uh, happen. So we had that one thing where there's still a shortage of people wanting to go to work. We still have supply chain issues that still um, we haven't got back together since everything locked down um, in COVID back in 2020. Then you had uh, Russia go in and pick a fight with Ukraine and start a war over there. And then when the whole world shook their finger at them and said, shame on you, um, their leader Putin doubled down and said, well, I'm going to block y'all from getting oil now. And then, so he caused havoc in uh, throughout Europe and the U.S. by screwing up the uh, uh, regular uh, oil flow um, that everybody is uh, uh, relying on. And so we saw our gas prices more than double um, this year. Yes, we did. Then on top of that, and even more, you had a shortage of microchips. So um, the whole movement with electrical vehicles, that kind of came off the rails and uh, the list goes on and on and on, and then you have all the um, uh, political stuff going on with uh, uh, POTUS 46, Joe Biden in office now, him having a horrible approval rating, and uh, POTUS 45, Trump still in the background, yelling and screaming, the election was stolen from him. Um, you had all of those things going on. Then we had some extreme droughts going through the summer, and uh, now that we're coming into the wintertime, um, the, oil, the oil prices are still kind of up there. So you have those who can't really afford oil, uh, who can't afford the prices, you, you're going to see their electric bills be sky high, and they're going to have to pick and choose between staying warm and comfortable or, um, you know, trying to wrap up with uh, blankets. Then, you know, what about the housing crisis? Mm, you have, I was waiting uh, for that one. Man, you have all the rents that are, some, some have doubled, some have tripled. We've seen homelessness almost quadruple in some of the major cities out here. So there, there's a plethora of things that have happened in 2022 that has just kept the stock market uh, beaten up and beaten down and just volatile. Even though uh, this is the same year where we saw Tesla, uh, Amazon, and Google come back and do stock splits. Gave uh, us a, a great opportunity to get in on some good um, quality 
um, um, technology companies that's definitely going to be around in the future and going to make us some money on the long term. Um, but those stock splits came in and they haven't even worked out um, like we thought they would. So there's a lot going on in 2022. And then to, you know, um, I had a cherry on top. Um, the recession uh, uh, that's imminent that everyone is waiting on, um, we still have all the speculation from all the news media every day. And the feds out here, they've already raised the uh, prime rate four times and they're scheduled to raise the uh, rates two more times to kind of keep um, inflation down and keep us out of a, a recession. But uh, we've uh, seen the uh, worst inflation over the past 50 years. Inflation has been at an all-time high, almost up to 40% this year. So it's a whole bunch of things going on in 2022. Um, this year has been... Uh, uh, something that we've never seen before. And uh, it's rough, but uh, we're coming to the end of it, and we all survived, and we're all strong. And I'm still optimistic about uh, um, at least the stock market and the state of our economy going forward, Andre. Absolutely, Shy. Absolutely. And on the notion of optimism, I did see that the stock market took a slight rally today, and I was very happy to see that. So before... Uh, tomorrow, or before the stock market closed, I had to make some uh, last-minute purchases just in case this rally continues to to go up over the mm-hmm. next month or two or three or four or next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, like I said, I'm still optimistic about it. We have the uh, 10K challenge, and uh, we have a uh, – hold on. I got – let me take the county. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We have 12 people um, still in the uh, 10K challenge. Um, out of the 12, uh, 10 of them have continued to contribute every month. Um, most of our portfolios are down somewhere around 6 to 11%. But uh, like I said, everyone that um, gets into um, the uh, 10K challenge, they already have the uh, I Got Sense uh, ideology behind them, and they understand that we're in this for the long run. Um, so these short-term hiccups here, um, that's not a big deal um, for those folks in the 10K challenge. But um, lot, lots of stuff going on, man, here. But I'm, like you said, I'm very optimistic, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, 2023 um, being a better year for us um, as far as our investments. Absolutely. So I got a question for you, Shy. Mm-hmm. So we all know that this has been one of those pivotal years in most people's lives where – uh, the workforce has changed. It's it's evolved. Uh, employees have decided to take action in their lives. They no longer are sticking around for these uh, jobs where they've tolerated. They decided, you know, whether to start a business on their own or transition into another high paying job or a lateral move somewhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. However, now we're going into a season of uh, these Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies starting to do a lot of budget cuts. And with that comes a lot of fires, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, what advice do you have for people uh, as we go into this? Uh, how do we how, how they say it on Game of Thrones? Winter is coming. How we go <laughs> as we go into this uh, cold winter as far as the workforce is concerned. What sort of advice do you have for folks? How can they best position themselves? to not be on that list, and if they are on that list, what should they do moving forward? First of all, Andre, I have to, should, should I be embarrassed that I've never watched Game of Thrones? So any references you make, I'm not really familiar with. 
other than, you know, getting prepared for a cold winter. I know what that means. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's look how 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 a cold winter feels in real life is exactly the reference they was making on that show. Except it was like these uh, winter ghosts, zombie, apocalyptic looking creatures that were warriors. But aside from that, it's cold. It's it, it's cold and it ain't nice. <laughs> so that's the yeah. gist of what we rolling with here. <laughs> okay, okay. So so let let's talk about this here from two different perspectives mm-hmm. so that I could uh, go ahead and give myself a shameless plug about the importance of a financial foundation. So for those who have uh, lost their jobs because of downsizing or whatever, or budget cuts or whatever, this is why our heart and I will never ever relent on this year. This is why it's so very important for you to try to build up six to 12 times your monthly net take-home pay for situations exactly like this here so that if you do lose your job for whatever reason, you still have that cushion of six to 12 months to make the adjustment and to get back on track with your monthly cash flow coming in without disrupting your budget. That's the whole purpose of establishing that emergency fund, which is the six to 12 times your monthly net uh, income. Um, now, if you're one of those ones that haven't quite lost your job, um, but you kind of feel the pressure and you're anxious about it, um, this is a time where you have to be a little bit more strategic. Uh, maybe volunteer for some projects. Uh, maybe uh, uh, volunteer to work some extra hours. Uh, or use this opportunity to pick up some new skills um, that so that you can uh, 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 include those new skills to your current resume so that you can make yourself a little bit more um, value added to your current employer um, so that they can maybe possibly move you in another position if the position that you're currently in is going to be eliminated. So those are some of the, that, that's some of the advice that I would give folks right now. Don't sit around and mope and complain about the haves and the have-nots and you being the have-nots. Um, being angry and complaining has never been a, a good business model. You definitely have to be uh, proactive. And if you are one of the ones that are, uh, have unfortunately been uh, laid off, um, definitely uh, this is the opportunity for you to work on um, getting some new skills. And in, in, in the new millennium here, uh, when we talk about skills, Definitely talking about STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, maybe learning how to uh, be a website, how to uh, do a network connectivity and maintenance to a computer system. Um, all of those types of things, uh, you don't have to go back to college to do that. You can take courses online at home, at your leisure, um, but definitely uh, picking up your skill sets and uh, adding on some new skills. Uh, would definitely uh, enhance your resume and improve your um, chances that um, if your job is eliminated, you could be moved into another position um, that uh, is still of value and still needed. I love that advice. Would it be safe to say that this is an opportunity as well to see or more so, let me say it this way. This is a pivotal moment. If you've been let go from your job, this is a pivotal moment in your life. This is an opportunity for you to challenge yourself to make yourself invaluable. 
This is an opportunity for you to take a step back and just assess where you want to go in life. Now, Absolutely. You, now, now you have an opportunity to sit back and say, you know what? Did I like what I was doing there? And if you did, okay, what can I do to acquire something in this field or something in a, in a, in a different dynamic, but in that same space uh, that Absolutely. I'm going to bring value to? Absolutely. I would definitely highly encourage everyone to sit down and do a self-assessment and evaluate where they are. And not only that, to go a little step further, um, one thing that is a, a reoccurring thing that I see amongst people that are typically an entry level or le- lower level, low skill type job, one rate, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and most of it is people in the culture. Oftentimes, we do just enough to get the paycheck coming in. Mm-hmm. And then once we get the paycheck coming in and we kind of get our head above water, at least our eyes and nose above water, we typically kind of let up off the accelerator and we become complacent. And oftentimes we don't directly correlate the uh, uh, benefits of doing a little bit more and doing a little bit extra so that your pipeline is already full. Oftentimes people that um, are out there already struggling, they don't do enough to keep their pipeline filled so that when they do lose a position, or something goes wrong where their cash flow stops, they typically run out of money within one pay period. And you have to keep that pipeline filled up so that even if you do lose a paycheck or lose a job and you're out of work for two or three months, you still should already have something in that pipeline to keep you going until you can get back um, up to where you have cash flow coming in. And that that, that is a huge um, um situation that I see amongst a lot of our people in the culture. We don't do enough and understand that I may not reap the benefits from this here until one, three or five years down the road. We oftentimes do just enough. We're reactive enough, just enough to keep that paycheck just coming in, but never really making any progress. And if we get one little speed bump, one little hiccup and a paycheck, um, um, uh, uh, doesn't show up for one pay period or a paycheck that does show up uh, is missing $200. It throws you into a, a tailspin on the downward trend. And so we really have to understand that we have to keep our pipeline still at all times because we never know what's going to happen going forward. And, and, and having that pipeline still, um, it avoids exactly what you're saying now where people can figure out how can I add value? What can I do to do a little bit more? What can I do to maneuver and navigate and get over this here lane, which is going to give me a 30 or 40% bump. So we, we really have to understand that what we do today is more so going to keep the pipeline filled up so that if something in the future happens, the pipe, there's enough in the pipeline to keep us going until we get back to where we are instead of just doing just enough to get there. It's kind of like the folks that um, put $15 of uh, gas in their car at a time, and you're doing just enough to get back and forth to work from day to day instead of making that investment of $115 and filling up the tank so that that gives you a good 10 to 14 days of getting back and forth to work, and now you can focus on some other things. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you, Andre? 
Yeah. So what I'm basically hearing you say is when it comes to us and the culture working a job for someone else, it's important to make yourself valuable. And how do you do that? You make yourself valuable, but not just doing enough. You go above and beyond and do more. You make yourself valuable by uh, taking on more responsibilities, not saying taking on more responsibilities outside of your job description. However, taking on more responsibilities in terms of what you're hired to do and not just doing the bare bones minimum to collect the paycheck. Take pride in your job. Take ownership of your role. And within that role, when you take ownership, you end up making yourself more valuable. Is that is is that what you, you get were, were getting? At? Yep, exactly. You get more exposure, volunteer on some of the company committees, um, some of the different projects going on. Not only do you expose yourself to other individuals in the company that are decision makers, you get an opportunity to put your skill sets and what value you do bring to the company on display to others that might be able to promote you and bring you into their department. Mm. And oftentimes, uh, we in the culture, we are stuck on, that's not my job description. I'm going to show up and do the bare minimum to meet uh, fully successful. And then as soon as um, the clock strikes three and my tour is over, I'm knocking everybody over running out the door. Oftentimes, we don't understand that there's a whole lot more value um, that we can add by uh, staying a little bit longer, volunteering for other projects, um, doing cross-collaboration with other departments and other divisions so that you um, kind of uh, spread your brand and, and spread your wings there and uh, uh, make yourself uh, more exposed to um, more decision-makers within the organization. It creates a whole lot more opportunities, and a lot of us don't realize that. I'm going to keep it 100, shot. This is some information that Andrew back in the day needed to have. And, and <laughs> that brother there, that brother there was doing the bare minimum to get by. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and for the folks that don't know who Andrew is, that's a character that I've created as a result of uh, my past experience when I worked in corporate before I decided to pursue entrepreneurship full time. So, yeah, um, bad, bad attitude, Andrew. Yeah, man. I mean, bad uh, Andrew. Yeah, the attitude as an employee, I was a terrible, terrible employee. Um, so those of you who are listening, if you're feeling like, man, who are these guys? They just these people that love working a job. Man, look, no, I hated working a job, which is why I'm an entrepreneur today. Uh, one of the reasons why. But um, I say all that to say, like, y'all, man, I feel it. I understand what it feels like to go to a job that you may not like. So what I encourage you to do is stop settling and go after something you like. But that's going to require you to develop some skills. And like Shine yeah. is, and like Shine is highlighting here, once you develop those skills, take ownership of the role. And when you do so, there's so many positive things that come about it. Exposure to the managers, the owners of the company. Exposure to being considered for more opportunities within the company. So that way you can get paid more. The more valuable you are, the more pay you receive. The more indispensable you are. So, yeah. And and. And, and Andre, I'm not trying to diminish the notion and the reality that we're the last hired and the first fired. Mm-hmm. Of course, not there. Um, but there are so many other things you can do to uh, move yourself away from that target being on your back by just doing a little bit more. And like I tell my kids, I've always told my kids that I still tell them to this day, and they're in their uh, 20s and 30s, but Every single day you walk out the house and you're going to work somewhere, you're interviewing for your next job. 
That's whether true. you believe it or not. And so oftentimes we lose sight of that. And so when we um, have a shift of nine to five and we show up rather eight fifty nine, but then it's going to take us another 10 minutes to take our coat off and to put our uh, pocketbook in the locker room and then maybe go uh, heat up some uh, coffee or some water to make us a bowl of oatmeal and then go back and eat at our desk. You haven't even started working until 945. Mm. but you're supposed to start at nine. And when I have to look at an employee that consistently does that and then knocks everybody out of the way, um, right at 4.59, trying to get out of the door, compared to the employee that shows up 15 minutes early because they know they need to boot up that computer. They know they want to go make a cup of hot tea and maybe make a little snack and hang it at their desk, but they're still ready to go right at nine o'clock. It, there is a huge difference between those two. That's a no-brainer when it's time to start laying people off. And I hear that tone over Come on now. The walking <laughs> scent giver is walking, and the scent is giving. So, uh, I want to transition here. We talked about the workplace and how people can prepare for uh, the cold winter because winter is here and winter is coming. Uh, I want to transition into the housing market. We all know the rates this year have been bananas, outrageous, ridiculous. So can you shed some insight on what's going on? And if you're in the market of buying a house, some tips for those who are seeking to purchase their first home or sell the home that they're already living in. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, like we talked about opening up the show, uh, inflation is at an all-time high now, mm-hmm. um, almost 40%. And um, that's because it was a whole bunch of money available to us back uh, when COVID started. And so we had a whole bunch of money from uh, stimulus checks to uh, uh, the uh, advanced child credits, the PPP loan money. And when we first came out of the lockdown, everybody went crazy. Everybody started spending, uh, taking uh, flights. Uh, going on vacation, going on cruises, buying stuff, getting back out there and enjoying being free to be outside. Um, We all kind of overspent, and that was the beginning of the inflation uh, snowball um, that started off. And so as we continue to have access to all this money and we kept spending, we started paying more for items and services than what it really cost, and it kind of got away from us mm-hmm. um, because we started 2022, Andre, I locked in on uh, my home here in Las Vegas at 2.4% interest. But by the first week of March, interest rates were all the way up to 6.2. So we saw interest rates almost triple within 60 days. Mm. That's because the inflation got away from us. And it was because we had all this excess money and as businesses, and individuals were able to completely get their hand on money, we just started spending like there's no tomorrow. So just imagine if you can go in the back room and print off $50,000. Then that $50,000, you don't mind going out and paying $1,000 for a cheeseburger now because you know you can go back and just print some more money. Mm -hmm. That's basically how inflation starts when you have access to too much money and you go out here and it frivolously 
because you know there's some more money coming along. So that's kind of what happened coming out of the COVID lockdown and into 2023, and it just got away from us. And the Fed, unfortunately, had to come in and start increasing interest rates. And by increasing interest rates, that makes everyone slow down on the spending because now the money that I'm getting is going to cost me a little bit more to have it and spend it. So the same person that uh, would have bought my house that I bought in January, that uh, another person coming along trying to buy this same exact house in March after interest rates went over 6%, they would be paying almost double a mortgage payment of what I'm paying simply because the interest rate went from 2% to 6%. And so when it does that, that encourages individuals uh, to stop spending money. So you see the housing market where uh, the interest rates got so high, so people stopped running out buying houses. The first-time home, even uh, me and Scott girl, we were out here trying to add three more uh, properties to our investment portfolio. Um, but uh, in 2022, even though we went out and we considered putting down earnest money on four different properties, we had paperwork ready to go. When we ran the numbers, the interest rates was just simply too high. Uh, the last deal we tried to do, Andre, it was a home for $384,000, four bedroom, two bath right here in Vegas. Um, if we could have got that house at uh, 4%, our monthly mortgage on that house would have been right around $2,100. But that same exact house at an interest rate over 6%, that mortgage on that house is going to be $2,900. So that's an $800 swing. And that took us out of the black, meaning that we were going to, we were willing to pay a $2,100 mortgage on the house at 4% because we knew we could rent the house out for about $2,300 a month. Mm -hmm. But that same house buying it and then our mortgage now being 29, but still only being able to get, 2300 now we're $600 upside down in that. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much what inflation does. It makes the interest rates go up because people are willing to spend more and more money for the same items that should be less. And then um, as long as people continue to spend, it gets out of control, and then we have to have um, the government come in and kind of slow us down by changing what the interest rates are. And that means that it costs us more money to have access to this money. And ultimately, the prices um, are going to um, slow down because no one, everyone stopped buying. And basically, that's where we're at now with the housing market. No one's really buying right now because the prices of the houses haven't come down and the interest rates are continuing to go up because the feds are still going to raise the interest rate two more times. So uh, we haven't even seen the ceiling on these rates yet. And, the rates now are over seven percent. Wow. Am I just rambling on? Does any of this stuff I'm saying make sense to you? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I'm just processing it all. So basically what you're saying to me is uh the reason why these interest rates are so high is for two things. One, um, people are continuously buying. And mm -hmm. two, because of the money that was printed, there's an excess of money. So inflation not only affected housing, but it also affected the day-to-day -day supplies, the grocery stores, the gas, all across the board. And if people don't stop buying, um, the government's going to have to get involved to slow things down, such as change the interest rate and uh, cause you to 
have to come out of pocket more up front. Is that- Absolutely. And if you look around now, Andre, because I know here in Vegas, I just got back from Chicago. Uh, you and I went out to Atlanta once, but I've been out to Atlanta eight times this year. Mm-hmm. When you go out um, in the afternoons and on the weekends, these people out here in the malls and the restaurants are still spending like they print money. Um, yeah, it's wild. It's, I'll be looking at people like, yo, where are you? What? And, 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 and they <laughs> are you saving all this, money? <laughs> they put it all on their credit cards because when you look at the national average amount of savings that people have in the banks, on average, people have less than $600 in their savings account right mm. now. But credit card debt has almost quadrupled since 2021. So, People are still out there living their best lives, and if you look at it, you'd have no idea that we are in an imminent recession. You, you'd uh, have no idea that the Fed has already raised the interest rate four times because you still got to drive around in just about every major city in the parking lot for about 12 to 18 minutes just to find somewhere to park because the parking lots are full and people are just still back out there and they're in the stores shopping, they're in the restaurants eating, they're on the airplanes traveling, and everybody is posting pictures to the gram from the Bahamas to Belize to Spain and everywhere around the country. So um, a lot of people haven't gotten the memo or they've just decided to be fiscally irresponsible and uh, spend all their savings up or maybe swipe their credit card and, and worry about their debt later. I see. I see. So what advice do you have for someone who's in the market of buying a home but don't want to necessarily pay uh, these high interest rates? Um, I have some simple uh, advice for them. Don't buy. Don't <laughs> buy at all. Do not buy because whatever your mortgage rate should be, if you're buying now with the interest rates over 7% and going up, you're probably going to be paying somewhere between 25 to 40% higher on your mortgage than you need to be paying. Mm. That's just how bad it is out there. So if you can put it off, do not buy until those interest rates get back down within to the normal range. And the normal range of a mortgage, a lot of times we forget, is somewhere around 5%. We got really, really poor uh, uh, between uh, 2014 and 2018 when uh, the uh, interest rates uh, moved down around 4 and, and And so for the last... I'd say between 2014 and 20, uh, 2019, we were able to get interest rates for around 4%. And then when COVID hit, that made them even lower. And so we were able, some of us were able to get interest rates down um, uh, under uh, 3%. I know for uh, my home here in Vegas, um, I only paid 2.4% interest here. And even when I purchased a sky girl it was time for her to get a new car in uh 2020 during covid um we typically pay cash for our cars Mm -hmm. um but when we went in they were so desperate um to get a sale um they uh sold uh her a brand new um eighty thousand dollar car um and the interest rate was only uh 0.99 percent um so i didn't even pay the full amount for the car i financed uh, i paid 60 and finance twenty percent of it because I'm only paying one percent um, interest on the loan. But mm. so we got we got real comfortable with uh, mortgage rates being under five percent, and that's not the norm. On average, over the history 
of the last 80 years, our average mortgage rate is about 5%. Mm-hmm. So us sitting around waiting for it to go back down to 2 I don't think that's going to happen for another eight years. Um, but I definitely would not buy a home now um, in the state of the economy as it is now with interest rates, uh, with mortgage interest rate being over seven. I wait till it get back down under six. And you're saying that's probably not going to happen for another eight years. Not down to two. I think it'll get back down under six um, probably uh, around uh, three years from now mm-hmm. when we can get this recession stuff uh, behind us and kind of get back to normalcy when they straighten out all the supply chains and when the world figures out that everybody can't be an entrepreneur and everybody can't own their own business and people start going back to work and, you know, even the CEOs and executives, they um, start to get the memo that they're going to have to also change too and share the wealth and let some of those those earnings that they make uh, trickle down to the employees. I think uh, three years from now, we're going to get back to some normalcy because, um, you know, uh, the hourly rate now is still only $17 an hour on average uh, for retail and on the high end for professionals and IT people, um, the average is about $44. But these hourly rates haven't um, kept pace with inflation, uh, nor has it kept pace to be commensurate uh, with what the CEOs are earning because CEOs are earning 10 to 20 million a year when the employees are making somewhere between 17 and 44 dollars an hour and it's just out of whack now and these uh gen z and millennials these new generations they ain't with it you feel me <laughs> we ain't with it at all <laughs> they're not with it at all it's like i lay on my mama's sofa until i'm 60 and eat ramen noodles before i go in there and be a slave to you i'm just not with it you're gonna pay me what i'm worth and you're going to pay me enough for me to have a good quality of life and be able to enjoy myself and not just be a slave. So we're going to have the normalcy, I think, around 2025 when when everybody comes to their senses and come back to the table. But now everything is out of whack, just like uh, our whole political system is with, uh, you know, um, Republicans and Democrats out there with knives at each other's throats. And this thing got so bad now. They sending people to the politicians' houses and they hit them over the head with a hammer. <laughs> well, this is this is this is a perfect segue, Shy, because I was definitely going to ask about midterm elections and how that's affecting the economy. So, what's what's your take on that? I know you mentioned it a little bit in the beginning of the podcast intro, but what I want I want you to elaborate. Let's expand. Well, what, what's the proper way to say? It? Expound. Let's expound on that. <laughs> okay. Well, so- so anytime you start talking about elections, especially at the federal level, you know there are three branches of the government that runs the federal government. So uh, you know you have uh, uh, I'm 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 taking that. I'm not talking about the three branches. I'm talking about just in the Congress mm-hmm. within the Congress. So we have the House, and then we have the Senate, and then we have the White House. Those are the three components of. Or, or, or of uh, the U.S. Uh, government, federal government, mm-hmm. and that's how our policies and laws get made. Um, but anytime you have it to where the ideologies between the right and the left are so off, um, off deep with each other that uh, you know you have one uh, one side of the aisle uh, they control the House, and then the other side controls the Senate. Um, then you have a headbutt contest there 
and oftentimes everything that needs to happen at the federal level to help the people and keep the economy going, um, it gets stuck in gridlock. Mm. Now, anytime you have one party that controls everything where they control the House, um, they control the Senate, and they control the White House, things get out of whack. And we see that happen quite a bit when the right is uh, in control of all three of those. And we also have seen it in the past where the left was in control of all, all, all three of those. So typically when the left has ultimate control like that at all three um, um, levels, then uh, they tend to be more liberal. Um, they tend to, uh, you know, have kumbaya moments and they want the government to be involved in a lot of stuff and they tend to put a lot more social programs out there to help those who are less fortunate. Um, when we see um, the right side of the aisle control all three levels of the federal government, they tend to take the uh, approach of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and if you don't, um, you just don't eat and only the strong survive. So we throw your body out to the side to die. And there are flaws with both of these uh, sides having ultimate control because sometimes the left, they go a little too far liberal and they tend to enable people. Mm-hmm. And we see this happen with our culture. Um, and, but then on the right, uh, this whole idea that you need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make your own way. That sounds good in theory, but most of those people on the right were born on third base and they're over there bragging that they just hit a triple. Right. No, you, you've been born with a silver spoon in your mouth. So when it comes to elections and even if they're midterm election, when we have a, a, a functional government where the House can get things done at their level and pass it on to the Senate and then the Senate can get their part done and send it on to the White House for the president to sign what he needs to do and then enact those types of things. We typically have a pretty good running uh, federal government, and that trickles down directly to um, our economy and Wall Street, and uh, life is good. But still, it's capitalism, and within capitalism, someone has to be poor. So those who make poor choices, those who make bad decisions, of those that are born into bad predicaments, they tend to be kind of stuck at the bottom. Mm. Um, so you're always going to have that with capitalism, but you still want a functioning uh, government um, because that's the stimulus to everything else happening and um, the economy working the way it should be in Wall Street, being able to function and rely on the government's leadership uh, for us to be able to go forward and be prosperous and everything. So with, with these midterm elections here, uh, we're two days past election night, and uh, we're still trying to figure out whether the uh, Democrats are going to uh, have the majority control over the House of Representatives um, or the Republicans because the uh, number of seats are split right down the middle, and, and uh, it's going to come down to three states, uh, Nevada, um, Arizona, and Georgia, um, to decide whether or not the uh, Republicans or the Democrats uh, control um, the House of Representatives. And you're going to have the same situation uh, with our Senate where um, it's split neck and neck down the middle and one or two um, states are going to decide whether the Republicans and the Democrat or the Democrats have control of that. So we already have POTUS 46 in the White House. He's uh, a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So he 
has the pen to ink everything um, you know, into play and get everything running. But in order for him to ever be presented with anything to sign off on, you have to have the House introduce it and then the Senate go ahead and approve it and concur with it. But when you have one party controlling one and the other party controlling the other, um, they let their personal feelings and egos and just their loyalty to the party line um, bring the whole government to uh, a standstill. And that's where we've probably been at um, since uh, uh, POTUS 45 has been in office. The last term that uh, POTUS 44 was in office, Obama, and now we have the same thing. Uh, we're facing the same thing with uh, um, POTUS 46 in office now. So these midterm elections do have a direct impact on the economy. Man, and that right there, folks, is how the midterm elections affect the economy 101. <laughs> I hope it was 101. You know, I ramble on. Everybody tells me I talk too much. I hope I'm um, speaking to where this makes sense to the average person out there. So um, that's not for how about we, how about we try this? How about I do a recap of what I just heard you say, and you tell me okay. if I'm spot yeah, on or if I'm much, missing it. Yeah, you do a much better job of explaining this stuff than I do. No, Go no, ahead. don't put that responsibility on me. I just be listening and then reiterating what I heard. <laughs> All right, so look, so look, check it out, look, y'all. Look, I need some, I need some background music for this one. All right, so this is basically what I heard. Tell me if I'm wrong, Shy. So we got the House and the Senate. And then we got the president himself. The president represents a party, and that party controls that segment of the government. He represents the Democrats. Now, on the Democratic side, Democrats tend to lean towards more social uh, service advocate type programs. Basically, like, hey, you don't have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Here's some assistance. Whereas on the other side, the Republicans, they're more so... uh, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, if you ain't contributing, you're gonna fall by the wayside. Don't make poor. Yeah. Basically, you're gonna be poor if you do anything that has uh, an adverb with the word poor in it. So if you make poor choices, you're gonna end up with poor habits. If you make poor habits, you might end up poor. And they have little to no remorse for those individuals. And you also mentioned that most of those individuals didn't have to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They were raised with a silver spoon in their mouth. So far, right. so good. Absolutely. All right, all right. So we moving on to how this exactly affects the economy, or Wall Street, for example. Depending on who runs the House and the Senate, those ideologies will translate into the policies, and those policies will directly affect Wall Street. Did I hear that? Or did I miss that? No, you got it right. That's why when Trump was in office, he lowered corporate taxes. That's why when Obama was in office, he raised them. I just want to give myself an applause for my active listening. <laughs> we all cover this stuff in college, Andre, and those two uh, uh, sociology, what social Poly, uh, policy and economics. Yeah, yeah, the economics. You know, Andrew was a bad employee. You think I was paying attention in policy? Man, I was more so work smarter, not harder. You know, I had some friends that either helped me with the assignment, moved a um, moved a elbow a little bit to the left so I could see a little something if I look at my shoes when we was taking tests. You know, we had a whole system in place, but uh, that's neither here nor there, folks. 
Yes, that's how the midterm elections will impact Wall Street and the economy in a nutshell. Another thing I yeah, was go ahead, Shy. I'm sorry. Yeah, when the whole world sees our uh, government fighting at the highest level, um, everyone loses confidence in not only the economy but in the stock market because all those companies that are publicly traded they rely on the policies from our federal government to determine how they run and operate and conduct business with their uh, products and services they provide. So when they don't know uh, whether or not the wind is going to blow left, right, or up or down because all the politicians are being petty and fighting over silly stuff, then that makes the confidence that everyone has that puts money into their portfolios about stocks. That makes everyone very scared. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So then that's when you see the stock market sort of plunge and the companies on paper uh, are, are hitting their numbers. The, the company, the cash flow and the earnings are there, but the the actual stock price goes down. That's the reason why. Or that's a contributing yeah, factor to why, I should say. Not the only reason, but. Exactly. They can't, they can't come to an agreement on what the budget should be. So instead of compromising and being logical, they just shut the government down. Mm. Dang, dang, dang. As someone who's invested in the stock market, you know, I don't really like hearing that. But I understand. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Uh so let's 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 transition uh, again. Let's pivot. So we we covered real estate. We covered the job uh hi, the job what's the what's the terminology I'm looking for? Shy, help me out here. Employment. The economy, the economy employment. for employers, employment, employees and uh employers you know losing your job winner's code that whole shebang that whole shebang bang i want us to talk about uh cryptocurrency because i'm highly interested in this i have not been following crypto like i used to uh but i know you being the financial guru you are and tapped in with all of the knowledge of the economy might have more information and insight to provide me and the people so what do you know about uh cryptocurrency and its relationship with the biggest gangsters in the world, the IRS. Yeah, well, fortunately, um, you are considered the guru when it comes to cryptocurrency, but because <laughs> uh, this is my trade and I'm a licensed, I used to be a licensed investment advisor and I give advisement and guidance on this stuff. I've become a student of the whole cryptocurrency uh, world. So, so you were student there, of the there, game. <laughs> two things going <laughs> Uh, cryptocurrency that has happened in the last uh, 30 days here um, during this 2022 year, Andre. So the first thing, the IRS um, has gotten uh, more involved with cryptocurrency, and they even changed a couple of definitions of what uh, digital assets mean now. Mm -hmm. um, and they've expanded those definitions because they're just getting closer and closer. You can hear the footsteps coming with them collaborating with the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission. And the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, are the people that already oversee Wall Street. So they already see the, they oversee the stock market. Mm -hmm. Cryptocurrency has tried to remain outside of that by considering themselves a digital asset and not necessarily a securities investment. Well, the IRS is kind of closing the walls on them they changed the definition. And so now cryptocurrency is that much more closer to being regulated by the SEC because the definition changes 
that the IRS has made has pretty much said cryptocurrency is also a security investment, just like any other stock, a bond, or anything that we trade um, as an investment. So that's one thing. And then in that definition also, they removed a lot of the ambiguity about non-fungible tokens. The IRS explicitly said these here are also digital assets. So um, the crypto world, the NFT world, has been operating outside of the SEC and not really um, having to um, abide by those strict rules and guidelines that give us confidence that what they say they value that um, is true and accurate. Now they're starting to all get closer and closer to being under that umbrella with all the other uh, investment uh, uh, products and materials that are traded on the stock market. So that's the IRS and our government. Now, um, some independent folks on the outside of that, specifically Stanford University, a Stanford University, they now have created, they have the 10 different uh, uh, courses that are specific to blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. So um, it's not going to be long um, before now, before you can go to Stanford University or some of its subsidiaries or some of its uh, affiliate um, universities and colleges and probably be, you know, get some type of certificate or some type of uh, uh, a formal recognition that you have a specialized skill set in understanding blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. So those, those are two major things going on there. Now, the third and the most crucial thing is um, this week alone, um, FTX, and FTX is one of the five um, markets that um, trade and hold um, cryptocurrency. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, just think about the Wall Street. You know how Wall Street has, um, um, they have uh, the New York Stock Exchange, they have the Chicago Stock Exchange. They have these various stock exchanges, and that's where you go to um, sell and uh, uh, buy your various stocks that you want to own or make money off of. Well, cryptocurrency has these um, exchanges, too. They have five of them. FTX was number three out of the five. Um, they um, ran into a crash crunch. Um, they got into a little trouble, and now all of a sudden um, they uh, are in trouble financially, and they uh, reached out to uh, Binance, which is the number one exchange in the crypto world, and Binance said, hey, we will go ahead and acquire you all and fold you all into us, and that will just make us even more bigger. But before we do it, Give us a couple of days to do our due diligence and look through all your finances and make sure um, everything is on the up and up. And within 48 hours of looking at those financials, they realize that um, there's an $8 billion discrepancy between what the FTX exchange say they're worth and what uh, Binance was able to discover. That's not true at all. Um, and because of that, Binance backed out of the deal um, the next day, FTX. Um, announced that they're going to be filing for bankruptcy. And that made all the people that have uh, cryptocurrency purchased through um, the FTX exchange, they started withdrawing their money like crazy. And that's pretty much made uh, the FTX exchange lose almost 90% of its value within a matter of 48 hours. Mm. And I want to circle back to 
this is why it's so important, and this is why I'm glad that the IRS and the SEC is coming into the fold and making cryptocurrency and NFTs fall up under SEC um, jurisdiction because um, this FTX exchange, they have been able to operate for several years now without any independent um, organization or entity to be able to come in and audit and look at their books and verify that the numbers that they say they have are true and accurate. They've pretty much been making up their own damn numbers over there. And uh, when it came to uh, them needing the cash to take care of bills and everything, they simply didn't have it. And now um, them subsequently announcing that they're probably going to have to file for bankruptcy. We've seen in just 24 hours the value of uh, uh, the, the top cryptocurrencies out there fall um, anywhere from 17 to 30% within 24 hours. So that, that's what's going on with the crypto world. Now, cryptocurrency is still going to be around because that block te- uh, blockchain technology is very valuable. A lot of the financial institutions are already figuring out how to incorporate that in uh, their financial systems anyway. So it's going to be around. It's just still going to probably be very volatile and it's really um, not uh, come up with a, a practical use for it yet. But I would say within the next, uh, uh, I'd say 18 to 24 months, you're going to see the IRS and the SEC make a whole lot more moves and bring them under the fold and then go in and straighten them out and get them on the up and up. There's no, it's no different than you going to a hospital, to the emergency room. You want to know that that is a, a, a facility, an organization that is audited and it is oversaw by a higher power to make sure you don't have no quacks and no flakes in there doing anything crazy that's going to uh, harm people's lives and their uh, health and ability to live a good quality of lives. You don't want to, you don't want to go in a, a restaurant um, and find out that, you know, you've been buying and eating food and then the back kitchen is full of rats and roaches and, and pigeon droppings. So um, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, FTX exchange, their whole operation has been one of those operations that when the inspectors showed up and went in the back, they saw a lot of rats, saw a lot of roaches, a lot of bugs, um, the employees uh, uh, not wearing hairnets and all those things that go bad in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's a good analogy for what happened to FTX. When when they, when it came down to it and people looked a little closer and got in the back and started looking around, um, they had an F rating. All right, all right, all right, all right. Can I give it a go? Can I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I try to, uh, let's say, uh, yeah, you need to summarize. A, give this I a shot this. to summarize a little bit. I, I, yeah, hear, I'm you. I hear you. I just want to see if my summary is going to land with the folks. Can I give it a try? Oh, you, you need to give it a try because I know I'm rambling on like an old crazy man who didn't take his medicine today. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to add some music, some background music. Shell, 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 shell. <laughs> so, boom. Stanford was like, look, I see the value in this crypto stuff. Let me go ahead and mix it up, throw some on the whiteboard, and the students can come to our school to learn a little bit more about how to do this in the real world. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. All right, cool, cool, yeah. cool. 
So then, boom. Let me turn this music down a little bit. Boom. All right. So then there's this company called FTX, which, correct me if I'm wrong, they're a publicly traded cryptocurrency entity. Is that correct? Yes, they were swapping. All right. So they just swapped me to crypto. They was basically like, ooh, I see the value of how people out there scheming and scamming. Let's go ahead and put something on the national stock market and paint it with this paintbrush and be like, look, crypto sold here. But underneath the banner is going to say, we steal your crypto here. All right. So fast forward, they tried to do a deal with Binance, which is a legitimate company. They have their accounting intact. So they come to the table like, hey, we would love to do a business deal with you. And FTX is like, what's up, fam? Let's make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Y'all look good. We look good. We look good together. And then um, the uh, what's they call Binance? Binance was like, uh, hmm. I like what you're saying. You're running a good game. And I'm down to do that. However, my friend here wants to go behind the door to see how things are going on the day to day. Are you okay with that? FTX was like, eh, I ain't really feeling that. But realistically, they was talking to their people like, look, we might have to actually get a real sign, not one that pulls down and say, we steal your crypto here. Long story short, Binance's people went in there, they ran the numbers, and they realized that FTX was really just like 13 15 45 47 whatever they wanted to make up at any time so now pal it got out to the real world and the real world is like i ain't having that and they stock plummeted from 16 billion to 1 billion to zip zero zilch and now they looking at everybody else like look we need some money pockets is empty yes sir that's it that's it you hit the tip on the head all right, all right, all right. I think I understand it now. So more of the story is cryptocurrency is still a very valuable alternative. However, it's not quite an alternative yet. There's still a lot of kinks to work out and it still needs a lot of regulation by the government. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Man, I'm mm-hmm. proud. They, they, like, give what's it that guy named Dr. C? They they you said they the Dr. CB of crypto? I mean, of, of yeah. finance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see the value in it. Uh, when mm-hmm. practiced the wrong way, I could see how it affects someone negatively. When practiced the right way, I can definitely see the value in it. So I, I, that's a good analogy, Shy. That's a real good analogy. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So we yep, have- the, RS, the RS has basically said anything that uh, uh, has a definition of financial interest, mm-hmm. um, Falls up under them. That means if you got a crypto, if you got a digital wallet that holds assets, they need to come in and regulate you and uh, bring the SEC with them because they can't trust you to be self-managed. Mm. They can't be out there seducing and scheming, as they would call it, the youngsters. Yep, making up your own numbers. Two <laughs> plus two had up before, not nine. Two plus two equals two thousand four. <laughs> that is hilarious. All right, so look, we covered real estate, we covered the job market, we covered crypto, we covered uh man, politics. What else is going on? What else should we what what else is out there and affecting the economy? 
Man, I think we've uh, pretty much covered everything, Andre. Uh, you know, like I said, I think the biggest thing with the economy now is uh, the movement of electrical vehicles and um, the folks uh, getting back to understanding that uh, everybody can't drive the truck. We only need two truck drivers. We need 60 people to unload and load the truck. And we're still um, at a point now where the younger generations are all saying, nope, I want to drive and uh, operate my own truck. So everybody's out there trying to drive the truck. It ain't nobody to load them or unload them. Ain't even nobody to put no gas in them. Mm. And we're in a bad state of affairs because everyone believes that they should be the president of the bank or they should be an entrepreneur making $50 million running their own company somewhere. And all they really need to do is check their bank account. Um, every day to make sure the money went in there without doing anything at all. And so we're really, the, the entire state of 2022 and our economy, economy as it is in the United States, we all living in a fantasy bubble world. And now it's about time to pop that bubble and let reality set in is what I'm hearing. Yes, it's time to pop that bubble. That's why we are on the verge of being in a recession. Um, that's why, uh, um, everything uh, is, uh, you know, very sensitive, and everybody is fighting and blaming. We're in a, we're in a world now where um, if uh, everybody has a cell phone in their hand and everybody can go live, and everybody's on there basically saying that the world is going to hell in a handbasket because this person did this here, and because they did this here, this is why you can't get to where you are. And because you can't get to where you are, you should go ahead and burn down the whole empire, too. Mm. That's pretty much the state we're in right here. And this all happened just in 2022, in these first 10 months of 2022. Wow. But I'm still optimistic. I am, too. I am, too. I'm very much so. Those of us that have discipline, those of us that understand that you have to always have more coming in than going out, those of us that understand that materialistic consumption is a shortcut to going nowhere and that the real game plan is building it brick by brick and playing for the long term, doing it in a safe, constructive, logical manner, that's the play. Those of us that have that ideology, we're going to come out on top. Those that are trying to uh, uh, take uh, 10 cents and turn it into 10 billion um, before Christmas time, those people are taking a lot of shortcuts. Those people are listening to the wrong people out there. And ultimately, those are the people that are going to be disenfranchised and jaded when they don't get the results that they want. But I'm optimistic going forward. What they say, slow and steady always wins the race. It's not the hare, it's the turtle. Always. Well, shoot on that note, Shy. You got any uh, book recommendations for us? For uh, yes, sir. I, I, have, I have a great book, man. Uh, my book recommendation this week is Dividend uh, Investing, Understanding the Stock Market Better. This is a great book. It's going to tell you the A's and D's and C's of the stock market, the who, where, when, and why you do what you do, and take the long-term approach and build it brick by brick. This is a great book. Once again, the title is Dividend Investing, 
Understanding the Stock Market Better, and that's a book by Bauer Lammer. And Lammer is spelled L-A-M-E-R-S. They, they're going to cover some of the best and fundamentals. Give you a lot of good golden nuggets that you can um, basically consider time. And they're going to always work out for you. They never change over time. It's the fundamentals of investing and security. I love it. I love it. That's more information, more sense for y'all out there. If you love this episode and if you want to hear more, all you got to do is go to the episode before and then the one before that and then the one before that and keep on listening until you get to number one. And if that ain't enough for you, what you can do next is you can go to patreon.com and join our Patreon or become a Patreon, I should say. It's I Got Sense Podcast on patreon.com. You can find it in the show notes. Aside from that, you want more you just gonna have to tune into the next episode got yes, anything else sir, I just, that's, that, that's it right there I just did a great article this morning on the whole situation with the uh, FTX and their uh, leading up to their uh, bankruptcy um, announcement um, so um, it'll cost you uh, anywhere from 5 to $20 over there on that Patreon page but that's a great resource for you all to go over there and get specific information about investment, whether it's cryptocurrency, the stock market, real estate, starting a business, how to structure your business. We have all kinds of great articles over there. I even have a report card of all the stocks that I've recommended throughout the year and it shows how well I've been performing or not performing over there. But that Patreon account, um, that's a great um, resource for you to go uh, and check out. Um, other than that, you're going to need to do like Andre said. Go back, pick us up from episode one, listen all the way through. I think we're somewhere around 94, 95 now. Um, we are but listen 92. To, 92. <laughs> I'm the original financial educator, very unbiased. I'm not here trying to sell you anything. I'm not here trying to convince you to do something to make money the quick way because uh, there's nothing uh, worth uh, having that you don't have to work for. So there's no shortcuts uh, wealth building. You have to do it step by step, brick by brick. There it is there. And on that note, folks, I'm going to go ahead and see y'all in the next episode. Or y'all actually can go ahead and hear from us in the next episode would be the proper way to say that. Y'all be safe. Yes, yeah, sir. We'll definitely be on schedule here throughout the remainder of the year, won't we, Andre? Uh, yes sir yes sir sir yes sir and if we are not i will definitely inform you guys when we are not so you can actually anticipate an episode from us next friday on time 5 a.m uh pacific standard time and was that 3 a.m east coast no that the east coast is ahead of us that'll be oh yeah Uh, that'll be uh 2 a.m 2 a.m east coast and pacific mountain time i couldn't tell you Eight a.m. Eight a.m. If it's five West Coast, it's eight a.m. on the East Coast. Oh yeah, I'm tripping. Yeah, you are right. <laughs> See, I forgot to change the time. I went back three hours, but I forgot to change it to the other time zone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't here giving investment advice, so we can't even dare tell time. <laughs> <laughs> what is the world coming? Oh man. I ain't got nothing else to say. I feel like I'm going to just, de- just destroy the, the credibility of the pot if I keep talking with my lack of yeah, with my no time telling having ASS. 
I digress. We just got a little confused. That's all. <laughs> well, we'll holler at y'all in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. Yes, sir. Peace out. See y'all next time.